The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. You know, on on most weeks I'm sitting where you're sitting. Um, I'm not up here. Um, But working with this worship team, um, I don't want us to ever take for granted uh, the gift we have in music in this church. Um, I believe a song like that uh, can reach a heart in just a few minutes. You don't need a half-hour sermon, um, but I'm going to give you one. Uh, <clears throat> but let's thank the worship team, okay, and thank God for them. <clears throat> First time I heard that song was at our couples retreat this past year, and um, it really ministered to my heart. And since then, I've listened to it a lot on YouTube uh, during my lunch hour. And I kept thinking about Mother's Day weekend. Um, if anybody, like Autumn said, are experts on the concept of waiting, it's moms. Uh, it starts with those first nine months, and then from there on out, you wait the rest of your life for all kinds of stuff, for your children, for your life. Um, but then I was thinking this, too. It's not just moms. It's all of us. If you look at our prayer page, and when I pray over that during the week, um, names keep reappearing situations, keep staying there. Um, I know that all of us can identify with this idea of being in a waiting room. Max Licato, one of my favorite authors, uh, wrote this about the waiting room. He says, so here I sit in the waiting room. The receptionist took my name, recorded my insurance data, and gestured to a chair. Please have a seat. We will call you when the doctor is ready. I look around. A mother holds a sleeping baby. A fellow dressed in a suit thumbs through Time magazine. A woman with a newspaper looks at her watch, sighs, and continues the task of the hour, waiting. The waiting room. My job is to wait, and so I do. Can't say I like it. Time moves like an Alaskan glacier. The clock ticks every five minutes, not every second. Someone press the pause button. Life is in slow moan. You don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We are the giddy-up generation. We weave through traffic, looking for the faster lane. We frown at the person who takes 11 items into the 10-item express checkout. We drum our fingers while the song downloads or the microwave heats our coffee. Come on, come on. We want six-pack abs in 10 minutes and minute rice in 30 seconds. We don't like to wait. Not on the doctor, the traffic, or the pizza and especially not on God. Take a moment, look around you. Do you realize where we sit? The planet is God's waiting room. It's our waiting room. The young couple in the corner, they're waiting to get pregnant. The fellow with the briefcase, he has resumes all over the country waiting on work. The elderly woman with the cane, a widow, been waiting a year for one tearless day, waiting, waiting on God to give help, to heal, waiting on God to come. We indwell the land between prayer offered and prayer answered. That's the land of the waiting. You know, as I read that and thought about waiting rooms, it's not just about how I handle it. It's about how God can use my life or how I become a person he can't use when I'm in a waiting room. And so I gave you three questions. 
that I'd like you to think about and consider <clears throat> that when you're in the waiting room, are you a person someone would want to sit by? Are you a source of encouragement and hope for others while you're in that waiting room? And do you have the strength to be there for others that are in the waiting room with you? As I thought about this message of waiting, I kept thinking about what Bible passage, what story would be a great story to share with the congregation. And as I thought about biblical characters, um, I can't think of any that didn't have to wait for something. Throughout the Bible, the storyline of people's lives are waiting. They're waiting on God to do this and that and this and that. And The other thing I thought about was this, that as you look for the concept of waiting in the Bible, I found out that there's 140 different verses and teachings on waiting. 140 different verses on waiting. And so, as I kept praying, I kept going back to this one, one of the most famous verses, I think, in the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, I'd ask that you turn to it. Isaiah 40, I want to look at verses 27 to 31. And um, so if you have your Bibles open and take out your sermon outline, and then in your bulletin is also a prayer card. And I'd ask you not to write on that right now. We're going to use that at the end of the sermon. Just stick that in your Bible so you have it handy. We're going to use that to close off today's message. I think it's easy to say God is in the waiting. Um, it's easy to sing about it. But to live it, that's a whole other thing. And I believe that when we are living that well where God can use us, it's because the Holy Spirit is at work in our heart. And so we want to ask him to help us as we open his word. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious Lord, as we open your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit will confirm the truth in each of our hearts, especially the heart of each mother, that you are in the waiting you know our life situations, the prayers of our hearts. Enable our souls to see you in your word as a faithful God and loving Lord, who not only in your majesty and power can hold the stars and call them each by name, but in your love and power proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you call each of us by name. We humbly ask that your Holy Spirit would confirm in our hearts that you are in the waiting in each of our lives, giving us courage and hopes that we can be a blessing to everyone that you give us to love and serve. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Uh, follow along as I read Isaiah 40, begin verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, that the Lord is the everlasting God? He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
to go back to verse 27, what caught my attention was that phrase, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God. It's like they're saying, Lord, don't you know? Lord, don't you care? Lord, are you aware of what's happening to me? Lord, why aren't you doing anything? Don't you care about me? You know, those in our soul are deep, soul-wrenching questions. They can keep you awake at night. They can rob you of peace. They rob you of joy. Um, and they can even make you begin to doubt your faith. Don't you know? Don't you care? It's one thing if AT&T puts me on hold. It's one thing if Medicare puts me on hold. It's another thing when we feel God has us in a holding pattern. Lord, don't you know? Don't you care? The verse begins by saying, O Jacob and O Israel, they're the ones complaining. Um, And they have reason to complain. When Isaiah is writing this, Assyria is bringing and has brought destruction on the ten northern tribes. They're scattered. Their, Their landscape is destroyed. And they're threatening the southern kingdom. And you know, they have their Assyria attacking them. And my question to you today is, you know, do you have an Assyria attacking you? And if you do, in your heart, where are you at in terms of where God is at in that process of the attack? The other thing I'd like you to think about is this. When you have those feelings about God, don't you know, don't you care? Um, does he still love you? Does he stay with you? Does he still forgive you? And what I'd like you to note is, after those verses are written, God has great things to say to his children. And so I'd like you to think there's a testimony that when you have feelings, or if you have them right now, don't you know, don't you care? God wants to speak to you, wants to be with you, just like he was with the children of Israel. Prophet Isaiah wrote these words in chapter 1 of his book. Read them together with me, okay? Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. And though they are red as crimson, they'll be like wool. I love that phrase, reason with God. Reason with God. You and I, after the life of Jesus Christ, My hope is this, that you're absolutely convinced that he loves you, he forgives you, no matter what. His blood, death covered the multitude of our sins. And Isaiah wants these people to know that as he begins his book. God's with them, even if they don't think God is with them. He still loves them. If you look at verse 28, I believe moving from their thoughts to what God wants to say to them is great counsel from the Holy Spirit. What do you do when you're in that waiting room? Well, here's the direction. Do you not know, have you not heard? In other words, don't you remember? Think about this. What does he want them to think about? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. That is our God. So what Isaiah is asking the people to do, instead of just seeing Assyria, he's saying, see your God. And the first thing he mentions is the Lord. And it's easy to pass over that word, but notice it's all in capitals. 
when it's translated from the Hebrew, that's the word Yahweh. That's the name God gave himself in the burning bush to Moses. That's the covenant God of Israel, the God Yahweh, the Lord. He's the one who defeated the Egyptians, brought Egypt, brought, brought Israel out of Egypt to those ten plagues, defeated every god that Egypt believed in. He's the God who brought them through the Red Sea and destroyed the whole military of Egypt in that sea. He's the God who fed them in the wilderness all those years. He's the God who provided water all those years. He's the God who provided covering, protection all those years. And he's going to fulfill his covenant. It's a promise. The covenant God of Israel does life based on a promise, not a contract. Contract would be, if Israel, you do this, I'll do that. It was never like that. Because Israel never did the right thing, but God always kept his promise. God kept his promise. God kept his promise. Now, you and I are living post-Jesus, and we saw the covenant God keep his promise to give a Messiah. So Isaiah says, when you start wondering if God is with you, if he is in your waiting period of life, first remember the covenant God of Israel. And then he says, remember the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. In that song that was shared with us, this phrase, I love this phrase from that song. And you who hold the stars, you call them each by name, will surely keep your promise to me that I will rise in victory. You who keep the stars. I've got a devotional book on love. Um, it's called Inspired Evidence. And we have it in our resource center. It's 365 devotions about our creator, God. And one of the devotions in here talks about the stars. How many stars is God holding? That's what the devotion is about. Well, science tells us that if you go up to northern Michigan and you're in a beautiful, quiet evening, clear sky, look up. If you're like me, you're amazed at what you see. And they say you're seeing about 3,000 stars. 3,000 stars. Well, how many stars does science say today, based on the technology they have and the microscopes or the telescopes of today, what do they tell us? They say it's not 3,000. It's 10 with 22 zeros afterwards. 22 zeros. If you want to doodle right now, I give you permission. Put down a one and write 22 zeros after that. I've never heard of this number. They call it 10 billion trillion. The creator, the one who holds the stars, he's the one who's going to give us the victory. And then when I hear that, my faith as a Christian tells me eternity, yes, but you know what? He's with me now. Eternity, if he can create 10 to the 22nd stars, certainly he can have eternity waiting for you and for me. Who is this covenant God that we believe in? So if you go with me to the Psalms, Psalm 147 sounds just like our um, song. I have it printed up here on the screen. You can see the words. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That sounds just like that song, right? He's in the waiting. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. How do the words, great is our Lord, mighty in power, do justice to that? the one who's created the stars. You know, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, we say those words so easy. And I'm talking about myself as well. 
you can breeze through that really quick. Our Father who art in heaven. And I think what Isaiah is asking us to do, when you're in the waiting room of life, one of the best things you can do is reconcentrate on who is this Father. Priscilla Shire, um, Autumn has shared her work with um, in our women's ministry. You know, a number of women really love to read her and listen to her. Uh, Priscilla Shire, uh, in one of her presentations, she talks about who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? I remember when I used to play at the playground in Detroit and stuff would happen. Somebody would say, wait till my daddy gets home. My daddy will take care of this. Who's your daddy that's taking care of your waiting room? Listen to her words. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation. He's the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe, the manager of all time. He always was, always is, always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised but brought healing. He was pierced but he's pain. He was persecuted but brought freedom. He was dead and brings life. He has risen to bring power, and he reigns to bring peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. And leaders, they can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. Nero couldn't crush him. The New Age cannot replace him. And Oprah cannot explain him away. He is light. He is love. He is longevity. He is the Lord. He is goodness and kindness and faithfulness. And he is God. He is holy and righteous and powerful and pure. His ways are right. His words eternal. He will, his will's unchanging and his mind is on us. He is our savior, our guide, our peace, our joy, our comfort, our Lord, and he rules our lives. I serve him because his bond is love. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His goal for us is abundant life. I follow him because he's the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of all leaders. His goal is a relationship with me. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you, never overlook you, never cancel your appointment as appointment book, never. And when you fall, he'll lift you up. When you fall, he'll forgive you. When you fail, he'll forgive you. When you are weak, he is strong. When you are lost, he's your way. When you are afraid, he's your courage. And when you stumble, he will steady you. When you are hurt, he's going to heal you. When you are broken, he will mend you. When you are blind, he will lead you. When you are hungry, he will feed you. And when you face trials, he is with you. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he'll comfort me. When I face loss, he'll provide for me. And when he faced death, he will carry us all home to meet him. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He is your God, and that, sisters and brothers, is who you belong to. Who's your daddy? Isn't that good? Thank God. The Apostle John said all that in just a few words. In John 1, verse 14, he said, The Word became flesh. All those things Priscilla was saying was, you read this Bible stories, it reminds me of so many different Bible stories. The Word became flesh, that's Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. Then John says this, we have seen his glory. We have seen it. 
glory of the one and only who came from the Father. That's our daddy. And this one I love. When you picture Jesus in the waiting room with you, he is full of grace and he's full of truth. John was an eyewitness. He saw Jesus touch people's lives with words, with healing. He heard his teachings. He saw the miracles. He saw him die at Calvary, and he saw him alive after death. He saw the resurrection, and he writes the story. You know, if you have problems seeing your Heavenly Father, if you can't see what Priscilla sees, if you can't see what John saw, then I would encourage you to read the story. Read the story in Matthew and see your majestic Messiah, the promised one of Israel. Read the story in Mark and see the powerful Son of God in this world, dealing with this world. Read the Gospel of Luke and see him touch the lives of so many different people. And then go to the Gospel of John and read that great picture of the Christ, the Son of the living God, who gives life, who gives life to everyone who believes in him. Because when your heart sees Jesus, when your heart sees Jesus, you see your Father. You see your Heavenly Father. The disciple Philip had that request of Jesus. Maybe you've had this request too. Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. Look what Jesus said. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The story of Jesus paints a picture of who is who the God is that's with us in the waiting room. You know, on a personal note for myself, something I do to try to remember who my Father is, my Heavenly Father, on the backside of your prayer card, you can see the alphabet. And I do do this um, at least once a week, not every day. I like to challenge myself to think about God's characteristics and his names. So you can talk about like he's the loving Lord. He's the majestic Messiah. He's the powerful Prince of Peace. You know, this helps me. I'm always looking for ways to not just brush by our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. Go back with me to Isaiah chapter 40. And this is what this God promises us while we're in the waiting room. Begin verse 29. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, in the King James Version that I was raised with, that I memorized, it said those who wait. Those who wait on the Lord, waiting and hoping. Hope in the Lord. They will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What happens to people who remember who their God is? Well, that's the picture. We begin to soar like eagles. I have a picture of this eagle here. Um, when I see that, I think of my grandson. For his birthday, he wanted binoculars so that he could see birds in his neighborhood. And so when I see my grandson, Luke, uh, he updates me on the latest birds he's seen. Uh, he's seen red-tailed hawks, but he hasn't seen this. He hasn't seen the eagle. See, life as an eagle. Why did Isaiah say an eagle? 
Let me share with you some thoughts about eagles. Eagles are the only birds that love the storm. I'm not encouraging you to love storms, but something happens in a storm. And I'd like you to think about in your walk with Christ, if you follow Christ any number of years, I would think that probably the time you pursued him the most was when you're in a waiting room, when you're in a storm. Something happens in those storms of life in our relationship with God. When all the other birds try to flee the storm and hide in his fierceness, eagles will actually fly into it. Why do they do that? Because of the updraft. That cold front shooting that air up. Because then they can soar. They can soar higher and higher and higher. And they can see. They can see. You and I have the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to be able to soar in the storms of life. Not just so that we can soar and have a good flight. He wants us to soar so that we can be a blessing to others. So we can be a blessing to others. See, when I begin to forget about who my God is, I'm tired, I'm stumbling, I'm falling, I'm hopeless. God, you don't know my situation, you don't care. Versus a hope based on who my Heavenly Father is. Isaiah says you'll have renewed strength, you will soar, you will run, and you can walk and you will not get tired. You can keep on going. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome these words. He said, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And you see Paul soaring in faith in his life. And then he writes these words. It reminds me of waiting room words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What waiting room can separate me from the love of Christ? Separate you. Shall tribulation or trouble, hardship or persecution, famine or nakedness or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul was soaring, wouldn't you agree, when he was writing those words? He was soaring under the power of the Holy Spirit to paint a picture of life with God, security we have in Christ. Um, as, as we're working on this service, I was talking to Matt um, about the service, and he told me the story that just took place the week after Easter with his grandmother. Matt and then his brother Andrew's on the bass guitar. Uh, they were called right after Easter and told that their grandmother down in South Carolina was in hospice care. And so the two grandsons hopped in the car and they drove to South Carolina to visit their grandma. And they met a grandma that was soaring. She's in hospice care. Matt said this. He said, Harry, when I met with her, she blessed me. He said, I left with a piece of my heart that she gave me because she had a deep peace in her heart. She knew where she was going. See, being able to walk through the waiting rooms, it's not just that we can feel good, because we're here on this earth to be a blessing to others. Right? That, that's what Christ calls us to do. And where does the strength come from to do that? It comes from our God. Our strength comes from our God, remembering who he is, just like Isaiah said, and he gives us the power to soar and to be a blessing 
to people. He gives us to love and to serve. Look at these last words from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, verse 20. Read them with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now you know what's interesting when I read those words? They don't sound like they were written where Paul was in. He was in prison. He was in prison. But he knew who his God was. And he was soaring. And he wanted to bless the church. And so he encouraged us to, to have that vision that whatever we ask or imagine with our God, he can do abundantly more. I'd ask that you take out your prayer cards. And what we want to do as we close this message today is give you a time to pray, maybe a time to meditate on the, on the message, and then conclude it in worshiping, joining our worship team. We're going to give you time to write a prayer. Maybe the prayer is you're in a waiting room right now and you want to talk to God about it. Maybe you're having a hard time seeing that he really cares. Talk to God about it. Maybe you're coming out of a waiting room. You want to thank him for that. Talk to God about it. Whatever prayers on your heart this Mother's Day, I ask you to write it on this card and then take it home. Put it maybe in your Bible. Put it maybe on a cupboard. Put it someplace where you'll see it to remind yourself the prayer that you wrote on Mother's Day of 2019.